she, at least in my experience, is very good at one-on-one and personal conversations with people. So I think now that she has come to that idea that that is who she is and what we need, she can express it. After months of speculation, it's finally official. Hillary Clinton is running for president. So what has she learned since 2008? And what challenges does she face, both as a Democratic contender and a prominent female candidate? Here to discuss is Chicago Harris lecturer Rebecca Sive. Rebecca is a prominent writer and lecturer, most recently author of Every Day is Election Day, A Woman's Guide to Winning Any Office. She's held leadership positions in business and Illinois politics and helped organize women's issues for Presidents Clinton and Obama. She's now a lecturer at Chicago Harris and academic director of our newly founded Women in Public Leadership Executive Education Program. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. About the time when President Clinton first announced for the presidency for his first term, friends of mine in Chicago, actually Hyde Parkers, who have a connection to the university, were supporting him. They had done work in Arkansas. They thought he would be a good candidate. I started hearing about her, and then, of course, there was a campaign, and and there she was, and they were elected. Uh, I also had the good fortune to uh, work with her just a bit uh, in the early 90s on women's health issues when she came to Chicago and and, uh, at that time saw what a presence she was and how effective also she was in uh, communicating, which I think is an important uh, issue for her as it is for any candidate. Mm. You know, when someone... When a president comes or a first lady comes, you know, there's all kinds of security and all that kind of thing. But we had this wonderful event at the Infant Welfare Society offices. And among other things, the the sniffing dogs went down the hallway and all the women who were attending were asked to huddle in a room. And I was coming down the hallway with her and she wanted to go in that room. She wanted to talk to people. And I had heard already from people who knew her well that she was very personable. And she was. And then she walked into that room, and of course we had this great hearing. There was a lot of public attention uh, on that. And uh, interestingly, I should just add, in terms of her sort of friendliness and folksiness, as well as policy and political chops, she threw out the first ball at the Cubs game. It was either that afternoon or the next day. And the uh, picture was on the front page of the Sun-Times, and then following that was our serious topic. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was really taken. I had already in my life worked with a lot of candidates and been in public office myself, and so, I, you know, I thought this woman is really something. And then 2008 was the first time that she Yes, she ran for the presidency in 2008, and I think at that time many people expected, there were some other candidates, Vice President uh, Biden was in the mix, John Edwards, but I think people felt that she would be a powerful candidate, an effective candidate, and that was a good chance she would win. And of course, Senator Obama came along and he had a terrific campaign idea and presence, and he ultimately prevailed. But I think the important thing in terms of the larger context and where we are today is that for the first time in American history, the case was made that a woman could be a primary major contender for the presidency. Women had run in the past, Shirley Chisholm in 1972, but um, you know they were sort of peripheral candidates. Right. And I think Clinton noted that when she lost to Senator Obama, saying there were 18 million cracks in the glass ceiling, referring to the number of voters across the country. 
And I think a lot of people saw that and realized our life has changed, our country has changed. Uh, we're going to have a much broader array of uh, people who consider and run for the presidency. Mm -hmm. I kind of remember that a lot of the talks seem to be, you know, any other year, any year without Barack Obama, things would have played out very differently. Well, you know, he had announced pretty early on. I actually was at his announcement in Springfield in, in I think, January of 2007. And, you know, it was a powerful announcement. But you're right. People thought that he was certainly in, in this, that second tier of candidates. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think Hillary took from that experience? Hard to say. I, I, I think that, you know, it's in the broader sense, I think anyone who is committed to running for office and serving in an elected office who's smart about it, you know, thinks hard each time about, well, how am I going to go about this? And if it didn't work, what didn't work? And I think in Clinton's case, the sort of conventional wisdom was that she was perhaps not down to earth enough. That's why perhaps she's taking this van trip across Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana as we are speaking. And also that she had this presence of perhaps, you know, how can anyone question, you know, that I wouldn't be the best person, which nobody ever likes. I'm not sure she ever said that, but that was the idea that some people had. And, you know, to some extent, there's always something that people sometimes call Clinton fatigue, uh, <laughs> just because the Clintons have been with us for so many years. Um, right. I think there's an assortment of factors. And I think, you know, as I said, I think smart people learn and rejigger accordingly. I'm getting ready for a lot of things. A lot of things. It's spring, so we're starting to get the gardens ready. And my the video that came with the announcement, mm -hmm. you know, talking about down to earth, talking about trying to achieve, um, you know, the kind of populist, everyman sort of feeling. Is that what you got out of the video? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that it goes to, you know, her own personal background. You know, she doesn't come from wealth, she doesn't come from power, uh, the wealth and power she has today. Uh, you know, was earned, so to speak, by, you know, by her and her husband. And, you know, she knows what that sort of ordinary American life is about. So I'm hitting the road to earn your vote because it's your time. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. She, at least in my experience, is very good at one-on-one -on -one and personal conversations with people. So. I think now that she has come to that idea that that is who she is and what we need, she can express it. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me more about what you sort of took away from her announcement. Um, what things stuck out to you? Well, I think the biggest thing actually as someone who's interested in strategy and tactics is sort of going over the heads of the media straight to the people. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that is very different today. You know, that's, that's a marked difference in how candidates proceed. And I think that that's, uh, I like that because, uh, I like that both because we all hear everything, you know, it's not, it's not sort of top measured down. or top down, right? And I also think it, it gives us a chance as voters to see the real person. Of course, these things are programmed and all of that, but when a person talks to you, you watch their face, you know, and you listen to what they say. So I, I was very glad that she did that. I think the message is right. I mean, we are in this 
world today where the middle class is shrinking, wages are stagnant, uh, you know, we've recovered from the recession, but a lot of that recovery is in low-wage jobs, a lot of people are still unemployed, and there is a very big question about how do we create an economy that works for everyone. So I think her, her message that she wants to be helpful in that way is needed. I think it's right, and to the extent that she has policy ideas that can support that message, I think people will want to hear them because I think people are troubled as much as we all are happy that 2015 is not 2008, uh, there's a lot still to do. You know, my own uh, experience in politics and public life and advocacy, there are different kinds of people uh, in the mix. They play different roles. So there are always sort of leading-edge advocates on issues, the people who trumpet an issue, whatever it is, who beat the door down. They're not always the people who walk through the door and sit at the decision-making table. And you can look back in American history and politics and, you know, count those people. You know, Thomas Paine talked about independence, but he never was a cabinet officer or anything like that if you go way back. If you look at Elizabeth Warren, her initial uh, appearance in the public eye was as an advocate for financial reform, not as a candidate, not as an elected official of any kind. And, you know, the force of circumstance made it possible for her to run for the Senate. She ran in a liberal state. And for those people who were unhappy about the Obama administration's approach to fiscal reform and banking reform, she was a sort of natural champion. She was talking that talk and walking that walk. And so then there was this movement, you know, started by several um, organizations to promote her as a candidate. There's no evidence that she herself wants to run. I think it's probably too late now unless something which we can't foresee just explodes. Uh, You know, running a presidential campaign is a billion-dollar business, at least. You don't build those businesses overnight. Um, One of the things I'm concerned about is media portrayals of women who run for office. Uh, There's literature on kind of both sides of the question, on one side saying, you know, women are treated in a discriminatory fashion, on the other side saying not so much. Mm -hmm. But I I do think that there are, um, it'll be interesting to watch for, you know, sort of code words and code sentences and things like that that perhaps indicate the view of the writer. And what would you expect that to look like in this this race? I saw something uh, the other day It was a list of words. I don't have it in front of me right now. It was a fascinating list. You know, it was sort of that typical list of, you know, a woman's abrasive, a man is outspoken, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the paradigm that that people look for. Double standards. A double standard for the same behavior. And, uh, you know, people, uh, that's been a factor for black candidates versus white candidates. It's a factor for women candidates versus male candidates. I do think that's something that's very important because while there has been this revolutionary shift in the American public's view about who can be president, it's still true that there is structural sex discrimination in our society and 
many people who think, you know, women should be in the kitchen and the nursery or something like that. Uh, so, so that will continue to be a factor. And if you're Hillary Clinton, what do you do about that? You call it when you see it. <laughs> you know, you, 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 I, I think one of the lessons in public relations and crisis management um, and all of that is you see a problem, you, you acknowledge it, you address it, you try to remediate it. You don't try to hide it. You don't try to pretend it wasn't there. You don't say, oh, well, maybe it'll get better. You know, that doesn't work. So whether it's something of your own making uh, or it's something that um, people have said, you know, you want to set people on the right path. They may not agree with you, but it will be important for her to say, um, just as my male colleague has spoken out strongly on X, I have spoken out strongly on X, right? I have not been abrasive. I have been outspoken. Uh, I have not been shrill. I've been uh, focused, vocal. So I think it's um, something she'll be conscious of. I think that's also the job of staff to help a candidate shape that. And I come from the point of view, uh, from my own experience and that of others who I've worked with and, and my own research and writing, that voters really like straight up candidates. They don't want you to obfuscate. Now, you know, it's important how you say something, right? Mm -hmm. But people see through artifice pretty fast. And as I was saying earlier, I think that we're at a real turning point in American history and our economy, our future. And so people will be looking closely. And so I think if Hillary Clinton is forthright, that will serve her well. And to the extent that she, for instance, may change her mind on certain issues, as for instance, President Obama has, um, you know, between his campaign and his being president, it will be good for her to be frank about that too uh, and not try to sort of, you know, make it de minimis because that usually doesn't work. Mm -hmm. If you had to give sort of one piece of advice to her or her campaign, I mean, would that be it? Would it, you know, be real, be you? I, I, yes, I think it's be real, be you, be serious, be upfront about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, it sounds sort of simplistic, but it's hard in the execution when there's just so many competing interests and forces and, and uh, media and donors and you name it. Um, but uh, to the extent that women will elect the next, if it's a Democrat, Democratic president, I think speaking directly to women you know, 50% or so of all marriages end in divorce. Women become the heads of household. They make the primary family decisions whether the marriages are intact or not on health care, on education, on child care, uh, sometimes on housing. And, of course, the further down the economic ladder you go, the more women-headed households predominate. So I think speaking directly to women about those daily household family issues of economic security and health security will serve her really well. And because she is so smart and so knowledgeable on those issues, it'll be a really deep conversation, which I think will be helpful.
Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thanks. And thank you for listening. If you haven't heard, Radio Harris is now on iTunes and Stitcher. Please like us, please share us with a friend, and subscribe. This episode was produced by me, Jake Smith, with music from A Smile for Timbuktu and Manu Srivastava. Until next time, this is Radio Harris.